Hey everybody. First up, before you know, before we get to anything else, just want we just want to say like a big thank you to everybody who came out. You know, it's been years for years we've said this among ourselves and to some of you. Like we really want to do like an in-person mechanical freak meetup where we can, you know, meet the listeners, you know, bring those uh Discord Abbeys to life, put them to a face, you know. Um, and it's so awesome to have finally been able to do that, to, to, you know, hang out with all you in person. And Yeah, no, it was incredible, man. Like it, it really just felt like bringing the community to life, something that really felt like it was to- totally on the internet and virtual. We truly kind of brought the community together, um, this week. And so guys, thanks, everyone, guys, guys, yeah. wait, oh, hey, Brian. Yeah, what's up, Brian? Uh, what the fuck are y'all talking about? I've like been home with my cat all week. What are you talking about? Oh, sorry. I should clarify. Um, we did a New York mechanical oh. freak meetup. Yeah, uh, for, <laughs> for all the people in the uh, invite-only secret New York Discord channel, and we just added people by memory. We didn't actually like make an announcement for it. We just were like, "Ah, oh, this person I think is in New York." And yeah, it was kind know. of exclusive. Yeah. That's just kind of how New York works, right? Um, right. You know, so we we there we you know we went to a little underground club in Dime Square. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, it was a great time though. So thanks everybody, mm-hmm. all of our New York listeners for coming out. It was great to great to meet Truly you. Truly phenomenal. What yeah. a success. I hope we do it again soon. Let's give a call out to all our New York City friends. Peter, Eric, uh, the boys at Max Pub, <laughs> based Elon. Yes, everybody that we were able to meet. Or you guys were able to meet. I, I had to hold down the fort in Seattle because it was literally blowing away. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we might extend this if, like, you know, the New York uh, meetups are successful enough. If we do, like, you know, two or three, we might take it on the road and do a Seattle mm-hmm. meetup. I know that we have fans <laughs> over there, too. I mean, right now we're thinking uh, first got a Philly meetup, uh, then doing yeah. one in Cincinnati, naturally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> San Antonio meetup, of course, coming soon. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, L.A., got to get to L.A. Oh, got to get to L.A. And maybe if there's some time at the end, we'll, we'll hit Seattle. Welcome back to the Mechanical Freak Podcast, the podcast that beams to you sometimes from Seattle, which is on the bleeding edge of neoliberalism today. But two-thirds of our podcasts, and let me remind you, two out of three ain't bad are currently residing in the Little Apple, New York City. Uh, Greg, Moody, how's New York? Did you guys get a breakfast sandwich today? Uh, Are you taking advantage of all New York has to offer? Let me me stop you right there, Brian, and remind you that all discussion of uh, Greg's uh, big trip to the city that never sleeps, it will be available only on the Patreon (laughs) for a subscription at the market price of a Starbucks latte. If you want to hear Greg's Bodanga review, you're just going to have to <laughs> get in the It's Patreon. on the outline. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, the one thing that Greg, I'm sure, did not catch at the Bodega because he was too busy trying to find La Cola, which, by the way, Greg, were you able to find a La Cola supplier while in New York City? Yeah. Uh, okay. Just a teaser. Just to tease, uh, <laughs> you know, what's coming in the Patreon is, you know, my review of the uh, neighborhood grocery, a kind of super bodanga that is literally in the basement, in the ground floor of Munya's building. So it's based. And that's where I got. They now, no, no, listen, I 
had to compromise. They only had a very, you know, basic selection of LaCroix. So we're, we're drinking lemon right now, not like La Cola or Lemoncello or anything, anything Thank fancy God, like dude. that. Thank fucking God. <laughs> I got my Lemoncello right oh, here. Oh my goodness, I'm the high baby. Life. Let's oh, go. Man. Cheers, man. Uh, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> here we go. Cheers. And we, though we will be getting later in this episode, in the back half, uh, we will be getting to some New York updates, some New York yeah. uh, politics podcasting. Yeah, yeah. The New York so politics uh, will save for the, the everyday listener on the free channel, but for the true freaks. For the lore. Where, that's where we and talk Adam's about. Lore. We've uh, got Adam's lore coming up later in the show. <laughs> yeah. And for the true freaks uh, on the Patreon, you can hear about the various breakfast sandwiches, what Greg was, what Greg's first experience at a Western beef uh, and his pastrami review. All right. Well, before we get into all that, I'm sure that you guys have logged on to the Hell app recently and I've noticed at Twitter, there's been a few changes since Lord Elon has uh, been forced to take it over. <laughs> Lay hell sight bad. Like that, that has become more true every day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hilarious. I've actually for the last week, I've been really conscious not to be on my phone and not on the app. And uh, I got to say, I'm feeling really guilty about it because it seems like it's been awesome. I've really missed out on it's rock, it a lot. But uh, let's begin with Elon decided to lay off half of the Twitter staff, basically, uh, just via uh, like DM, essentially telling them <laughs> that they no longer had access to like the Twitter discord. Not only that, but people like I saw the most cursed sentence um, from a, like a reporter and like a Twitter employee. They were like, my nightly stand up was interrupted by by <laughs> by emails of getting laid off which is like like you don't have to support all workers a nightly stand-up <laughs> sir yeah, yeah. like why why like all that was that's something that you have like in the daytime why are you like logging on at like you know 10 30 p.m and like mm -hmm. you know working and then it's like damn i can't log into my account because i got fired and half of our like Stand up got fired too. Who knows? Um, who knew that Louis C.K. worked at Twitter? But yeah, <laughs> I mean, embarrassing stuff. But the funny part, the funniest part of this was that I think it was either yesterday or the day before, uh, Bloomberg had a piece out that apparently a ton of the fired, you know, engineers and coders at Twitter were now being desperately courted by Twitter because it turns out Elon Musk's strategy of just firing people based on how many lines of code they had written in the last month. Uh, was not representative, maybe, of who his best coders and engineers it's the were. It's dumb guy logic. It's like, well, who's like the most inefficient guy who's like spewing out like lines of code is an irrelevant metric. You want to have your code be tight and have it be like you know efficient. Mm -hmm. And honestly, um, as uh, Colin was saying, that like you should probably rank it by lines of code deleted. Honestly, like yeah. that's probably a more marker of a good coder. <laughs> but, but even then, still not. I mean, to even engage in that discussion, like, is like again probably true. Uh, what Colin was saying, but like not a probably also yeah not. Like as a barometer for like, hmm, no, how do no. we half the staff at this yeah. corporation? No, no, it's 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 a it's an idea a seven year old would yeah. Like yeah. come up with. It's well, just I, not. It's it's almost it's something out of. It's not like oh, it's oh, amazing! Wow, they're the they're realizing they need to uh, call back the people who 
make the app to continue making the app, you know, to like <laughs> for Twitter to continue to be reproduced. Uh, it needs the people who are doing that. I mean, amazing logic. It's like, it's not, this thing is not like, it's not even like, like he came in, I guess the, the ostensible logic of it is some kind of like efficiency. Like we're going to come in, we're going to, we're going to make this lean and mean and whatever, like mm. cut the bloat. But like, that's not, and that would be bad enough, right? Like that, you know, whatever. That's, that's basically, that's when I mean, we'll get to like the overriding logic of all this and what it really means. But like, that's, that's not something that is really about um, making more money in the end. Usually uh, you, you, you don't really make money by saving it, but anyway, um, but it's not even that it's not even like an efficiency expert move. It's like uh, it's like something you read in a management book that's about showing dominance, you know, and mm. just being that, but that's it. Right. Like, about like throwing weight around, but into the most exaggerated degree possible. But like, can we yeah. back up? Like, I don't think we've talked about the fact that like, this has been this like ongoing, like uh, uh, unfolding, like weird circus act where, uh, you know, what was he, wasn't he going to buy Twitter? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, so this has happened now, like Which, certainly kind of happened overnight. Like, well, yeah. Right. And because he backed out of the deal, like, you know, months ago and like, has, that's why he was going on the whole rant about how, you know, there's, bots and stuff like you guys overstated the bots and then you know twitter uh sued him to like actually agree to buy the company at the meme price that he announced right that i don't think mm. he was really serious of ever you know going through with which was um 54 20 a share which is you know a 420 joke right like that's like mm. it, it, twitter was then um stock price went down to around like 27 instead of like uh 54 right so like a significant like you know decrease in their um values since like after he even announced that he would purchase them so you know to purchase that like almost like a hundred percent premium like double its actual value uh, is pretty significant and a lot of people you know speculate and you know it's kind of assumed in the tech media that elon was kind of forced to buy twitter right like there mm -hmm. was like cause yeah. for him to like not back out of the deal because he actually signed a letter of intent to buy it he secured all the funding um from you know private backers in debt and um it was too late to there was no reason for him to back out the delaware court basically favored twitter and um i think musk saw the writing on the wall and surprise one day he was like uh, I, i'm deciding to buy you guys again at the original price yeah, even yeah. though it's like trading at 33 like i'm, I'm still buying it so okay. yeah, yeah. yeah so, so for so for listeners of our swag equity series you're going to be familiar with what Mooney was talking about which is basically Elon agreed to buy Twitter at a, even at the time, ridiculously overvalued price. That price, uh, the Twitter stock has since collapsed, right? Meaning that price is even more absurd as time mm. goes on. But part of that agreement was if he backed out, he owed several billion dollars in penalties to Twitter, right? And at the same time, he would have to essentially piss on the money lines that he had gotten to secure the funding, right? So the people that he had uh, secured funding from, which for Elon is a problem because Elon has bought, he's borrowing from like Tony Soprano at this point. <laughs> like, he, you know, he's, he's like fucked every lender and borrowed, you know, everything he can. He's over leveraged to the hilt, you know, all this kind of stuff. Right. So he was stuck in a, uh, a, between a rock and a hard place where the smart move would have been to piss on his lenders once again and just pay the billion, you know, several billion dollars 
uh, to Twitter and penalties. But that also would have been a hit to his ego. And as we're seeing, all billionaires have the most fragile ego on the planet. Uh, so he just did the purchase, despite the fact that it was uh, extremely uh, ill-conceived and should not have been done. So he now owes a shit ton of money uh, so that he could purchase a turd that's never made money in its life and has never been less profitable. Just to sum up for the, our uh, people who haven't been following onto our every word of swag equity, who this is coming as some sort of surprise to, uh, you know, you could have been way ahead of the curve uh, listening to this show. Yeah, like, uh, okay, so it's what's wild is like, that's not even the start of it, right? Because now like the insane thing happens and it's not just like, you know, some corporation changing hands or merging, like a, a, a giant billionaire baby has taken over like a very public facing like uh product um and like it, it really reveal like i mean revealing like what we everybody knows that yeah. or you should know that the guy's a, a, literally a fucking moron um but it's really yeah astonishing but like i also want to back up and be like like what do we think like i mean my when the stuff all first started to come down my like hypothesis was that like you this was at least in part motivated by like uh him needing cover to ultimately uh unload his tesla position and for 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 need of money um mm. you know for he even posted a twitter poll asking his like followers whether whether he should it was kind of a loaded question but he was like should should i should I pay taxes or or not pay taxes, basically? And pay taxes means I sell my shares and not pay taxes means I keep my shares, right? Yeah. Um, and so everyone was like, not everyone, but I mean, like, you know, um, a slim majority of people were like, yeah, you should sell your shares, right? And, and so he was like, okay, well, lay, lay internet is lay epic and I'm going to, you know, sell my shares now, right? And so he kind of like made it a whole like theater on yeah. him, like just unloading a shit ton of Tesla shares. Yeah. Right? And so he did end up doing that? He did, yeah. He didn't sell his whole position, obviously, no, no. but he sold he sold like billions of dollars worth and of now that And now, you know, as he's in, eventually he is presumably going to be in some position where... If, you know, I mean, Twitter's not going to fucking turn around and make fucking billions of dollars all of a sudden. He has, he's, you know, leveraged out his ass to like make this happen. So that's going to be an external pressure that theoretically has nothing to do with the, with the, uh, the actual uh, prospectus for Twitter right? or yeah. for Tesla. Like the fact that it like is a time bomb uh, ticking away that could potentially allow him to continue to sell because without it being as big of a spook to the market and thus Tesla's stock price as it would be if he just started unloading it in a way that looked like it was motivated by how much Tesla sucks. Now, can he get away with that? Does that work at the end? Is it only marginally better? But like, I'm still interested in that, that question because I'm now interested in that, like as the logic of everything that's going on at these big companies, like at some point, like, all these billionaires as like Elon have all this theoretical fucking value that they've never really, it's never been the case that they it's always been the case that they're never really able to realize it. It's all, it's trapped in this stock that if you sell it, the stock <laughs> price goes down. So then that really this, there is no real value there. It doesn't exist. But now as 
the coming like crisis approaches and as you know, the fed is causing a recession as you, as listeners will know from our, uh, swag equity series, like you've got to be thinking like on a lot of these people have to be thinking like, well, how much can I get out of it before the end? And knowing like, mm-hmm. it's not going to be all of it. It's not gonna be most of that. Yeah. That number is just a number to you. That's the number you, you know, the, all, all this wealth you have is this number that they talk about in the press, but it's like, it's not, you know, that's not real, but you're like, okay, well, the, the business move, case, maybe, <laughs> but you know, you're going like, okay, well, what's the, like, that's an ego number, but you're like, okay, now this is business. How do I actually realize some percentage of that value? And like, there's great. And I think that's could explain a lot of the crazy schemes going on as people yeah. doing weird things to realize not all, not not most, not even a lot of these mm-hmm. these fictitious numbers, but to get some out before yeah, the well, end. Well, what know? Elon's doing with Twitter is very typical of what business has done for the last, you know, 50, dating back to the early 60s, really, even. So, you know, 60 years at this point, which is he's taking his position in his functional company tesla right that essentially has no future if you look to, you know, forward any amount and is using it to purchase another company which is then supposed to be parted out and sold right so yeah, you yeah. use your position one company to take over another then you essentially sell that other for scraps and pocket the cash right yeah the problem being that elon's a big fucking moron and uh essentially bought something that was worthless to begin with and has no value to anybody and you can't be parted out. There's yeah, no parts. There's where, no parts. Where are the parts? Yeah. yeah and, he's, and he's doing what private equity firms do, right? Which we've talked about the swag equity series, which is the first thing he does is he shows up and he just lays everybody off, right? And the, and yeah. the idea of that is that so you could show profits temporarily in the present, right? Because the idea is like, little coast for some bit of time, you know, with its current market share, we'll lay half the people off. So our business expenses have gone down. That'll look like, oh, shit, we posted this huge profit after I took it over. And then you sell to the rubes who are dumb enough to buy it. The problem being with Twitter is it's value for Elon to get the money back. He has has to double the market value of Twitter, which, you know, Twitter's value is going the exact opposite direction by laying half the staff off. All it does is show everybody that Twitter is actually worthless. I mean, it's a stupid movie. He's going to lose his ass. Now, other now companies did this, right? Like in the 60s yeah. and 70s, lots of companies were losers in the uh, expand through purchasing and parting strategy. And yeah. I think Elon is just showing that he's just going to be another loser. Uh, well, as a, as a big billionaire loser, you're getting lots of advice. You've got lots of received wisdom. And if you're extra stupid and have an ego, like you're listening to all of it at once and, and discombobulating it all together. So he can simultaneously be thinking like along multiple lines where it's like, yeah, there's some scheme where I get at, where I'm able to like, you know, use the, the Tesla position as leverage to get something that can then be uh, unloaded. But he ends up because he's fixated on it on Twitter. And then instead of there may be nothing you could do about Twitter, but also he has this messianic complex Mm -hmm. uh, where he thinks like, if I just come in me, Mr. Idea man, with like all these ideas for Twitter, I can like turn it around and make it good. If he even believes that, I don't know. But like, it's they're totally in conflict he at least because pro- he projects that image. Yeah, yeah. It's totally. Yeah. 
but they're totally in conflict. You lay, so they lay off half the staff on some bizarre. The I mean, what would have to be a bizarre, hyper abstracted metric. No one to, in tech. I, I've never heard of laying people off just based on the lines of code. By the way, that's not yeah. like an industry standard thing to do. But like, Elon it, it is like a truly insane thing. Yeah, and Elon would have had to have been the one that like came up with it just oh, because for sure. of his oh, like, yeah. ego, no, whatever. And yeah. he doesn't know anything about any of this stuff. He, first, <laughs> so before he just, they just like evaluated yeah. the code, which is all in a central repository, right online. Um, he'd ordered every single engineer to print out all of their lines of code and review them with him personally, which means he'll be flipping through like deranged illegible yeah. like lines of code to like yeah. and then have them explain what the code that, means that's a baby that, that rocks interpret reality like yeah, yeah, yeah. but like yeah. but also like on a higher level like you you use some bizarre the, i mean you can't you can't lay off half the staff in one day of a big corporation without using some bizarre hyper abstracted metric right okay so they do that and then the problem is He's got ideas at the same time. And the mm -hmm. one of the one of the like, you know, it's like, well, uh, the obvious, yeah, to do any ideas, you need people to do them. You need the, the coders to come in and do them. And it's like, so now he's asking people back. People who I hope, I mean, they're probably just coming back kissing his ass. We gotta hope these people who are laid off have it, have some dignity and are asked are like asking, Well, sure, I can show back up tomorrow. Where's the Brinks truck? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Fucking well, cash me out. I would like to remind every coder and engineer at Twitter who listens to us, which is all of them. Uh look, money only lasts so long. And let me tell you, when they collapse this economy, its lifespan's gonna be shorter than ever. Spite, though. Spite lasts forever it's worth more than money tell them to go fuck themselves that's the actual answer you should give when they will ask for you to come back is to eat shit and go to go get a job somewhere else think of how good that's gonna feel knowing that you are part of the solution to the elon musk problem no one could <laughs> ever know? take that away from you yeah too. Yeah. yeah, you you can eat off of that for years, all right? You know, that money, you're just going to waste it, all right? You're going to waste yeah. it on paddleboard lessons and other stupid bullshit, all right? Just yeah. get a job yeah. somewhere else. The people we're talking about are stupid. They probably won't. They will probably fumble the bag, and then if they get it, yeah, they'll, they'll, yeah. they're the, they're parasites. They'll, they'll, they'll become, like, the, the, oh, the worst class of uh, tech shitheads on <laughs> Earth. But, like, you know... Yeah, if it's me, I'm like I'm securing like a uh, a massive bonus, a an insane uh, ironclad like five year one sided contract where Twitter can implode and uh, I still somehow get paid and like just leave and uh, like the, the same the same rights that like a debtor would have, right? Like, yeah, or like yeah, yeah. sorry, like, like a creditor would have yeah, on yeah. like you know bankrupted assets, like a first come basis, yeah. like liquidation what, preferences. And shit, what what the know? banks imposed on New York City in the seventies? Like, yeah, that's, that's what you need to. You, <laughs> should, go, you should have Walt Riston write your contract. Yeah, uh, that's, well, I'll show up for that that deal. You know. Well, interestingly, uh, along the same lines, and I mean, we don't got to talk about it too much because it's just the exact same story. But it's come out, I guess, either today or yesterday that Meta, now of all the things that we thought were built out of sand in the tech universe, Meta, we thought that is real. That's tangible. That's that's a thing that's going to last forever. Uh, Meta, it turns out, is firing half its staff, right? That was the... Uh, not half no, no, no. its staff. No, no, but not lot, even close. But, but yeah. they're, they're Twitter firing, firing half their staff. Yeah, tw yeah tw Twitter firing half their... Yeah, yeah large-scale layoffs. Sorry, yeah, large-scale layoffs. So Meta is also doing large-scale layoffs 
Yeah, um, in the thousands. Yeah. Um, apparently, uh, they did a moonshot on uh, designing uh, legs in the video game universe. <laughs> For Up to this point, all characters have just been like the clothed parts of Winnie the Pooh. You know, uh, no, nothing below the waist. And Meta did a moonshot for the first time ever in a video game. Uh, characters will have legs and feet. And I guess this is an admission that it just can't be done. Nobody can do it. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> yeah, so um, Meta, formerly Facebook, uh, has released a couple or like really like a handful of really bad earnings reports um, where their revenue has been slowing, like their growth has been slowing. Um, their monthly active users in some and Facebook.com proper has like declined. Um, you know, Instagram has like, you know, <laughs> COVID. stalled out. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, and more importantly, their ad, their ad buyers, the ad business in general online has not been good, both for uh, Google and Facebook, um, you know, due to due to just like market conditions and also due to, uh, you know, the fact that um advertisers are just not paying as much on platforms anymore just like uh this year as they were like last year during covid um just like the um sheer volume of um ad traffic has just kind of gone down recently um and so that is coinciding with a 15 billion dollar cash investment um that is that zuckerberg says that he's only going to ramp up um, for the metaverse that they're um, investing in, which um, and, you know investors had some tolerance on it because it's like you know a vision of growth, but this one was truly so um, abysmal because a lot of investors thought that he would kind of stop like spending as much and like you know would kind of rein it in to have having PBS, seen the previous right? few quarters of yeah. like well we're not right. making money so we have maybe this one and then one report came out that was like well no they're continuing to lose money and he's like. No, we're going to keep plowing everything we have into right. this uh, second life uh, in Web 3.0 or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, okay. So there's a Wall Street Journal article today that talks about the layoffs and that it would be like the first plan, major planned uh, like downsizing in the company's history, uh, that it's the biggest announcement in pure numbers of the this year in tech uh because it actually though it's a much smaller percentage it's much bigger than the twitter layoffs twitter is a fairly small company um but then they go on to talk about uh where the money's all going uh but much of much of meta's ballooning costs stem from mr zuckerberg's commitment to reality labs a division of the company responsible for virtual and augmented reality headsets as well as the creation of the metaverse Mr. Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg has built the metaverse as a constellation of interlocking virtual worlds in which people will eventually work, play, live, and shop. Uh, uh, insane. Uh, crazy, <laughs> crazy thing to think you can pull off. Meta has invested heavily in promoting its virtual reality platform, but users have been largely unimpressed. The effort has cost the company $15 billion since the beginning of last year. But despite investing heavily in promoting its virtual reality platform, Horizon Worlds, did anybody know that was what it was called? No. The actual, no. like, thing, the product is called Horizon Worlds? Nobody in the world has ever used it. So no. Nobody well, hasn't been paid. Well, we have some real journalism on that here. Um, last month, the journal reported that visitors, visitors to Horizon Worlds had fallen over the course of the year 
to well under 200,000 users about the size of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. (laughs) (laughs) And you got to figure, like, again, it's fallen to that number because, like, probably, you know, everyone, everyone who works for Facebook is probably on there. Right. Every tech journalist, like any, a lot of people in the, in tech and like tech media probably like had to create an account to go look at it, you know, and it's like, and now there's 20,000, that's, that seems Wait, high. 20? No, 200,000 okay, 200, weird freaks who are going yeah. onto Bot a platform, class. like, you know, without their legs in a thing that like, it's weird that it's even 200,000, right? Cause like, I'm what? Surprised. it has like no cultural currency. Yeah, like it is no. nothing. It's like. You you read the articles and you see the videos and you're like, it doesn't it doesn't even process that this is a real thing that you I could go onto the internet and actually create an account for. No, it. no, it's like haha, this is this thing they're demoing or something. But like, it's all, like it's just like all the keynotes that get shot on on Twitter, but like you never really yeah. like see anyone like posting organic content from it. I've never like I always just see keynote content. Like that's yeah. It. Right. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's why that's why it doesn't feel like it exists because there's no cross uh, posting in other platforms. Yeah. I, no one's like taking uh, like uh, little um, screenshots of themselves without their legs, like doing doing nothing <laughs> yeah. in the metaverse. Anyway, yeah. Bizarre. I mean, like, and 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 before listeners will jump on us saying, "Oh, well, it's like hard to do that on a VR platform." It's like, um, look up VR chat. Like VR chat is exactly like you know the type of thing that is basically just like a sandbox game that you can play yeah. in VR that like has uh, millions of views on like uh on um youtube and stuff right like there's like funny moments so yeah yeah people the people who are using it are creating some weird content that's filtering out to the rest of the internet yeah okay so here's a quote i get that a lot of people might disagree with this investment mr zuckerberg (laughs) told analysts on the company's earnings call last month before reaffirming his commitment (laughs) i think people are going to look back on decades from now and talk about the importance of the work that was done here after the call, analysts downgraded their rating of Meta's stock and slashed tar- uh, price targets. Uh, <laughs> that is the kind of thing. We're going to look back in, on the importance of the work done here. Is something you say about something that didn't make money. It's about yeah. the friends we made along the way, guys. That's, we, that's what he's saying, yeah. yeah. It's like he's saying, I'm spending $15 of your money on my legacy as like, uh, an inventor, I, like Reality Labs, is going to be the Bell Labs of like. Is it that? Is it like messianic tech guy shit? Like, even though it makes no money, you well, know. The re- and the reason why, like, usually in, in in a normal corporation that's publicly traded, um, investors will step in, or you would have like a shareholder meeting where they would just override you, or the board of directors would override you uh-huh. to be a proxy. Um, but the way that Zuckerberg, um, you know, set up the company and was able to sell, um, you know, the shares when he went public was that even though they're going public, um, Zuckerberg retains sole majority voting shares of the company. Mm-hmm. So even though it's publicly traded, no matter if you buy all the shares on the public market, um, Zuckerberg has a different class of shares that gives him complete voting control. So even if you go to the shareholders meeting, right, and every single one of the shareholders other than Mark uh, vote against these initiatives, right, he can just have a veto power to them. You know, so um, in a very real way, he can just tell them to fuck off. And the only thing that investors can really do is sell the shares, which is what's happening. Like, um, just to give like context, I mean, Meta has fallen almost three-fourths of its value. It's been from its uh, from its one year, not even its all-time high, but from just last year alone, 
um, which is like around its all time high, um, has been slashed from like around like, you know, 350 to now they're uh, trading around um, like $95 a share at the time of this recording. Right. So that's Incredible. like 90, like 75% of its value getting slashed while at the same time, like let's say the S&P 500 is down like 19%, the Nasdaq's down 34. Like that, that, that is a total collapse in a company, right? Like they, they, they're actually, if you invested in Meta five years ago in 2018, you would be losing 50%, right? Like, I mean, value has gone down in a way that I ha- didn't even anticipate this quickly in 2022. And this all happened this year. So ostensibly, the logic here, his Zuckerberg's pitch is, I'm investing all this money, I'm in control, I'm the messianic tech genius who has a vision for the future, and we're going to keep spending this money because it is an investment in something that is inevitable. We're going to build the the version of it that's going to matter. We are going to make money on this investment. We're taking the loss now. This is, you know, startup logic. Yeah. This is he's doing it again. He's like, I'm using this massive position of Facebook to do a super startup like where yeah. I invest all this that I have in the next big thing. And that, you know, you just have to have faith, you know, a new new frontier, if you will. And and it'll pay off down the road. And it's like, okay, I mean, that's the logic of a of a a risky investment of a technological like uh, investment. Like, you know, iPod or iPhone. Right. That's like, yeah, yeah, like we're uh, now it's very it sounds stupid, like the product they're selling sounds dumb. But like, I guess he could believe it. But I want to pause and maybe and like, you know. On some level, maybe he does. But like, I again, I want to like hypothesize that like somehow in a way that maybe I don't even understand. Uh, it is all of this just a, a an end of the road grift for somehow getting any value <laughs> out of these these uh, fictitious numbers, you know, like so. In the case of Zuckerberg, it's like, yeah, he's tanking the stock price because the fundamentals are being eroded. But like, was, you know, but how, but how's he doing? Like when you spend all that money, you spend, it's been spent on labor. It's been spent on something, right? So they're paying it out. Is there a way that he is like paying himself a lot of that 15 billion dollars or like, like, I don't know, like, or is it about like, it getting to a point or setting up something where he can like legally and with some kind of cover, like be forced to uh, sell all his stock, you know, Mm -hmm. again, if he only makes like 10% in the end of what his theoretical high position is like, that might still be a good take home for, for these billionaires of these fictitious money that doesn't, it isn't real that they couldn't get out of it. If you can, if you're looking at the end, the collapse of an economy, the collapse of the tech growth bubble, the big one, like with all the sub bubbles in it, like over the last 40 years, that's like, oh, we're running out of shit to do. There's nothing to really, nothing good to sell. So make up something stupid, you know, like Elon does. That's, you know, maybe you're looking at Elon thinking like, wow, he just keeps having dumb ideas and selling them and like keeping the grift going. Let me try and do that with this virtual reality bullshit just to keep something going. I, I, I don't know, like, because you're seeing the end, because you're seeing the end of the, the tech expansion era until someone really makes, uh, you know, like quantum computing, like uh, 
you know, commercial practicality or something, if that's ever going to happen, or uh, the larger collapse of the economy, the Fed, like saying, like, we need to, you know, radically uh, adjust all of uh, how this economy works by engineering a recession. Is it just some way to to get 10% of your theoretical value out of this shit? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like the thing is, too, is that um, to your point is that Zuckerberg, when he was doing the whole metaverse um, pitch, he went on Joe Rogan and like tried to like lean into the whole like, you know, masculinity kind of angle. Right. Where he was like he was talking about how it's actually like soy and beta to like, you know, sit sit on like a computer and everything like, you know, it's actually like, you know, um, <laughs> al- alpha to like, you know, <laughs> alpha to wear a VR to headset. Wear a VR headset. Your yeah, yeah right. in a padded room while you yeah. roam about you know, <laughs> yeah, no, and, and you know that could be the case i i would kind of the, a counterclaim to that would be that um unlike twitter um facebook and google meta and google actually do make money like significant profit right like there are actual like you know positive cash flows that come from their billions of dollars of profit right like you know it's an ad business right but they actually are successful at selling ads unlike twitter is right where mm. their growth either stalls or is falters or they lose a lot of money where facebook's like margins are extremely good and are you know were extremely good um and their profits are good too so you know zuckerberg selling shares like that i think that like you know them and like google like that's like their money is actually kind of legit where you can like, you know, sell shares and like um, is not completely tied up in just pure hype where I think like Tesla and um, uh, Twitter uh, kind of have more of that because like the actual, you know, bottom line, like cash flows and, um, you know, uh, turning profit is more on a growth speculation than, um, you know, like uh, anticipated free cash flows coming in. Yeah. So, but, you know. but if you're looking ahead and thinking like these this revenue model at Facebook at Meta with, you know, the old people who are on it dying a less and less um, relevant uh, consumer demographics, Mm -hmm. just then the collapse of the economy, like ad revenue is going to go down. You're looking at all this shit. Okay. It's going to end sometime in the future. Something's going to, this isn't going to work in the future. You're Zuckerberg. You're like, uh, if I start selling, you know, the think tanks like do you need to get like do you is he trying to get fired you know is he yeah, trying to sure. like get someone to offer <laughs> get a group of the rest of the investors to buy him to out, buy him out and right. again like <laughs> i guess what i'm saying is like i think we when we talk about these guys we imagine that they take seriously their their assessed like uh net worth and that losing that net worth like is meaningful to them and i just have a feeling it's not i have a feeling like I, I I think to to understand to get in the mind, you have to think about like may, if maybe he's trying to get ten percent of that what whatever his high point net worth out and like walk away with it in U.S. dollars, and this is some scheme to do that. I don't know. I mean, yeah, but- yeah. But also, also there, I think like when you're at that point too, um, when you're a billionaire, like you know. The, it becomes almost a number where it's a number to exercise power as well, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily even about, like, oh, like, can I get cash out? Because they know that even if, like, the stock collapsed, like, they know that they're set. I don't even think it's about, like, you know, fucking just, like, getting that bag at that point. I think it's right. more like, you know, to, to amass that sum of money, right? To, like, go from $50 billion to You're controlling billion. power. You're just trying to control power, right? And if that's going to run out, yeah, then it's, if you know, like, okay, that's going away at some point what can I do here to get, to get me 
a bag. Right. You know? Right. Well, they know that Glenn Greenwald is, you know, bringing the troops together to put the party of the working man, the Republican Party, back into power. So (laughs) they're they're time with it. No, no, I mean, but to maybe throw out another suggestion here is... You know, America's uber wealthy, whether it be through oil and railroad in the 19th century or, you know, cars and aerospace in the 20th century have always uh, been a fucking idiots and b uh, thought they were smarter than they were. Right. That they didn't that mm-hmm. they, they yeah. basically began with a lot of money and then used that to uh, get more money and didn't understand that it just was that they had a lot of money to begin with. Um and, it, you know, a lot of them would go crazy. Like Henry Ford lived in a, this like insane castle with 24 hour security. Uh, like he had an, his own private army and stuff to just keep him alive. You know, like a lot of these guys had uh, some insane proclivities, but few of them went really over the edge. Right. Which is why, like the Howard Hughes story was so amusing to other millionaires uh, talking about him wearing like Kleenex boxes on his feet and shit like that. But could it be that the fact that America's new like corporate billionaires that aren't in finance, but are in, you know, the, you know, in computers, internet shit, right? The fact that what they make is so ephemeral and made up, it's so, Mm -hmm. so much less grounded in reality that they actually have achieved the messianic insanity that America's previous psychopathic billionaires never could imagine, you know, like they've ascended to a higher level of insanity uh that is fueling all of this yeah no i mean i think like a a big part of him is that he genuinely does believe that like this uh can work out and that you know i think when you you know reach that level um when you amass so much power and when you retain so much of its company image uh when you you know found especially him being a founder too i think is a very key thing as well Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. founders typically well you know gained this sort of messianic like you know idea of themselves he started and then, from the bottom and started from the bottom he built this up and he actually told a lot of people who were wrong um yeah. no fuck off and yeah. it turned out to be a success right and so he's seen the same thing of like immediate like media pushback um yeah. a lot of like short-term naysayers finance people talking about like oh, cost of good souls blah 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 that he's heard before and he can shut them down because they don't see the fucking vision and it's gonna like you know explode Steve Jobs was the same way. Bill Gates was the same way. Too, yeah, yeah. Right? And like, in, I mean, you know, different ways. But. They and what like they don't understand in a different way, right? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What they don't understand is that they were in they they made a move. They made smart moves yep. to reach out and grab the money that was on the table because of the conditions, because of the advancements in technology at that moment that had not been marketed yet. Yep. You know, they marketed advancements in technology at exactly the right time. And now they're like, well, actually, I built that with my genius. So if I reach out my hand for that money, it's going to be there on the table and I can grab it. Yeah. When And I have the capital to do it. Yeah. 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 I don't need and to I, get it angels to do it. I could just fucking spend a little bit of Facebook's cash flow on it. Yeah. What I wonder, too, uh, to what degree the fact that in Cal- – like we've talked about the California ideology and stuff, right? The, the fact that, like, libertarianism's hold on – the state of California on Silicon Valley in particular. I kind of wonder about that because I, I do think that America's previous corporate billionaires, no matter how crazy they got, they always understood that the name of the game is price gouge, the consumer grift, Mm -hmm. the federal government, 
right? Like the, the, that is where the money comes from, right? You get Not the federal government. Yeah, yeah. You get, that's the innovation, right? Like everything boils down to price gouging and grifting the federal government. And I just kind of wonder to the degree that guys like Elon, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, et cetera, right, have come to believe that they actually are some sort of inventor. Like they're yeah. they're in the you know Galt's Gulch selling their you know railroad tracks or whatever the fuck they were doing that right you know like I guess for me the key to Elon is the question of the submarine did Elon really think he was going to invent the submarine to save the Thai like soccer team that was trapped in the cave did he really believe that he was going to do that or did he know he was full of shit. And I kind of think he believed he was going to do that. Like he does, he has convinced himself, despite having never done anything actually in his entire life, that he is an inventor. I mean, did he he think that he would also like deliver the respirators during COVID too, instead of the CPAP machines, right? Like would he actually be the one to save the day there or like, you know, or you, I mean, I think he even claimed that he'd use like Tesla, like factories to like, you know, manufacture like the. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, we can say he never follows through. (laughs) But but I think the question isn't necessarily, does he follow through to get the psychology is like, does he believe it at the time? Yeah. And I think it's a degree. It's a summary question. You're exactly, I think you're exactly right on, Brian. And it is a submarine question. Did he actually believe he would deliver on that for the Thai cave? Um, and yeah, I mean, I honestly think that it, how can't you if you're if you're in that position and if you're like, you know, making something that's so, you know, ephemeral, as you say, and just uh, at the end of the day is not like you're, you know, making things that fly and actually, you know, disrupt transport around the world, right? This is something mm-hmm. that is just like all in lines of code that has zero marginal cost to it. Um, and you can really go from zero to a hundred really quickly. Um, you know, wealth has been created and concentrated so um, much within tech more than any other industry. So um, just the, the, lower barrier to entry to becoming a billionaire um significantly increase with tech um you can get you can make a billion dollar operation with a lot less people um you can you know overnight uh have something that starts from nowhere and now it's in everyone's pockets right like that's like that was a really hard thing to do before um you know the advancements of technology so Mm -hmm. and especially software um, and then when you get into the social realm, I think that that's when it gets even more testy because you're just dealing with people at the end of the day, right? Yeah, like, even more of a magic trick. Yeah. Yeah. And this is basically 30 years of very easy money uh, as far as like funding availability and things like that. And we might be entering the first period since the Volcker shock of not having easy money available. And I, I think that that's going to be a pretty rude awakening for uh, a lot of these guys. I'd just like to remind everybody once again that if you've been a loyal mechanical freak listener, uh, everything we've talked about up to this point, not a surprise to you because we've been talking about the disastrous, uh, <laughs> what a disaster Elon attempting to buy Twitter was that he did it as a joke, but then signed a very real contract <laughs> with Twitter, <laughs> something that he was reminded of uh, via a court case, uh, which <laughs> led to him then care, you know, going through with a disastrous purchase, but also our discussions of private equity firms and private equity buyouts, which essentially Elon's just trying to uh, do that, right? Not doing a very good job of it, but trying to do that. And, uh, you know, and, uh, as always a reminder that uh, just because private equity firms have this roadmap to very easy money doesn't mean that they don't still fuck it up along the way. Um, but yeah, so if you've been a listener, hey, look, you know, 
everybody who's listened to Mechanical Freak is ahead of the curve, you know, because the freak is always ahead of the curve. Because we got our everybody else's ears are to the sky. Our ears are down in the sewer where the freaks are, <laughs> where the real news is happening. That's right. And speaking of which, in New York City, there's been some real news. Our, you know, Greg is there. He's our man on the street. He's got his head directly in a puddle right now on the New York City streets, uh, listening to the news of one Eric Adams. And is he a harbinger of doom for the Democrats in the midterms? Or maybe there's another story. Let's. What do you got, well, Greg? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we decided, you know, we should talk. Uh, I should, you know, immerse myself, as Munya has, in New York politics, really care about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, midterms are There's a big tomorrow. move to get on Eric Adams' campaign, Munya. I just wanted to, yeah. uh, Hey, know. man, you know, but I, I'm, I, I'm trying to just get my feet wet, you know? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to understand it and change it from the inside, that's all. Plus, you can get it on the clubs from that. that. Yeah, exactly. Dude, I mean, this guy got, this guy is the key to the city. Like, and not, I'm not even talking about power. I'm talking about getting into fucking, like, carbone and shit. Like, I'm trying to eat, bro. <laughs> yeah, when you just got that New York state of grind. Uh, <laughs> so, the midterms are coming up. You know, uh, whatever. I guess, like, it's what people, everyone said for all along, the Democrats are going to lose a bunch uh, by how much who knows who cares um, do you remember but, that one month during the summer when people said the democrats might pull this off remember it? that was that a was funny cute. time yeah yeah. And it was, yeah right after they fucked uh roe v wade and they were like well they're gonna turn their not protecting roe v wade for 40 years somehow into a victory in the primaries and for like Laughable. one week it looked it looked good and i was like but they're gonna blow it guys like there's no way they maintain this all the way no. to november and look at where we're at so well, right. that's, and that's if, if you're listening to the freak, you were ahead of the curve on that one as well. That's the problem is, yeah, you can look at that and go like, wow, you could really make hay out of this. You could do politics with this. Yeah. You could run on this. And, but and you're you talking remember, about the fucking Democrats. <laughs> yeah, you remember who you're talking about. Yeah, the choke <laughs> artists of all time. If they're not throwing the fight, they're choking. It's Those yeah. are the two options. So speaking of which, the first, you know, before any uh, election involving Democrats, the real important, the last phase of the campaign uh, is blame and yeah. <laughs> uh, finding who to blame. So, uh, yeah, this has, you know, a sort of a nexus of uh, kind of topics that we like. This is from CNN. Uh, let's read a little bit of this here. Mayor Eric Adams might be the fall guy for New York Democrats' potential big losses next week. So, uh, you know, Mayor Eric Adams, our, our mayor. Yeah. Uh, America's mayor. Uh, elected last <laughs> year, but, respect, but you know, just absolute, uh, you know, character, charismatic king, um, High love, energy, yes, heuristics, guy who gets things done, yeah. Um, and he's not up for re-election, but a bunch of Democrats in New York are. So, Democratic officials and strategists in New York tell CNN. They are bracing for what could be stunning losses in the governor's race <laughs> and contests for many or as many as four U.S. House seats, largely in the suburbs. Uh, with crime dominating the headlines and airwaves, multiple Democrats watching these races closely are pointing to New York City Mayor Eric Adams accusing, pointing to New York City Mayor Eric Adams, accusing him of overhyping the issue and playing into right-wing narratives in ways that may have helped set the party up for disaster Tuesday. 
What? To quote, he was an essential validator in the city to make their attacks seem more legit and less partisan, said one Democratic operative working on campaigns in New York, who asked not to be named. Uh, His name <laughs> Other Democrats argue this has it backwards. While they accuse Republicans of political ploys they call cynical, racist, and taking advantage of a situation fostered by the pandemic, they insist candidates would be in better shape if they had followed Adam's lead in speaking to their fear and frustration that voters feel. Uh, so, like, this is... We have the Democrats two genders of the Democrats. Yeah, right? <laughs> seriously. seriously like, <laughs> to me, there's, like, a, an essential conflict here between the the interests of the Democratic Party and the people they represent, which is the bourgeois class like who are mm-hmm. like for all kinds of reasons that we talk about all the time are interested in pushing this like uh crime narrative this the crime wave narrative that you know we've talked about to death and the need for more police to push back against uh the 2020 uprising that they were never a part of uh to push back on the defund the police narrative but also just to fall into the the you know a classic uh, ruling class trope that the Democrats have always been a part of, which is this tough on crime narrative, you know, increasing policing and incarceration. It's potentially not a popular message with at least some portion of the Democratic base. Like, are the one are they the ones who vote in midterms? I don't know. But also, it's also not in line with the fact that the Democrats are in power, and this is something they never seem to get right. Like at the national level, wherever it's like, the, like Joe Biden campaigning on like, look, if you if you elect Democrats who are in control of the entire government in January, I will codify abortion rights in law. And it's like, you, you're here now. And the, yeah, the inverse is true in New York. You could have done it whenever, but you could certainly do it right now. Uh, and the inverse is true, but they're holding it hostage. And the inverse is true, too. It's like what these people, what some people are saying in New York to really just to place some blame for their own failures, not because they're really concerned about like the crime wave narrative no, they, they just don't, don't they think there's a there's a tiny angle for them to say oh this is why i suck <laughs> yeah, um, whereas yeah. <laughs> i'm sure you know the same analysts and whoever else are quoting have, have run tough on crime campaigns yeah before. i mean and i'm sure they were like you know leading in the polls they would be like oh well you know this is because of the tough on crime yeah exactly right? yeah. and so but they have this they, there is this funny thing happening here where it's like they are in power right and eric adams you know who has only been in in there a year but like Democrats are in power in New York City and, and New York State and always have been. And you're saying, like, look, it's the 70s, 80s the vibes are back off. again. Right. Like, the city's <laughs> deteriorating. It's falling apart. Like, we need to. He's, you know, the state passed, um, uh, say Democrats passed, uh, like, some bail reform measures that Eric Adams is campaigning against. He's out there saying, like, we got to undo this because we're, like, l- just letting out these. Uh, you know, criminals who uh, are awaiting trial out on uh, crime on on bail. You know, um, you know all the bullshit narratives. But it's like, uh, it is funny that like, yeah, there there is a. Uh, that's what I mean. Like, there's an instinct for them to fall back for Democrats, conservative Democrats like Eric Adams to fall back on the tough on crime narrative. It's, yeah. part, it's in their blood. It's in their interest. It's in their their donors' interest. And like. Sometimes stuff you sometimes you actually have to do politics based on like larger issues. You have to like have some kayfabe once in a while, right? If if you want to go along with the narrative argument in this article, like you might have to do 
Uh, you might have to soften some of your the stuff your your donors want when you're in power and or need a certain like demographic to come along with you for some reason. And some some Democrats can't do that. They they only have one script, you know. Yeah, exactly. But I think the problem is is that coming into the midterms, there was two narratives the Democrats were you know there for them to choose from. One was that we'll protect your abortion rights, um, which you know. Look, their 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 ears are tuned to that message. They've been fundraising off it for forty fucking years while doing absolutely nothing. Now, some might point out that narrative might be a bit of a loser because some people might remember that for forty years they did absolutely nothing, and in fact were in power when their abortion rights were taken away. But we'll set that aside, right? And then the other narrative, which was created via real estate, via the entirety of American media. And yeah. via a lot of dark money, which is that we're in the middle of the worst crime wave America has ever seen and that everybody in every major city is dead now, um, which the, the problem with Democrats is their ears are tuned to that, too. Yeah. Because that's, yep. that's the only policy themselves. goal they've delivered on in the last 40 years is more police, more prisons, mass and more incarceration, prisons, yeah. right? Like mass incarceration has been the only thing that they've delivered on a mass level, right? Um, everything else has just been money to their, you know, to their actual base, which is finance, capital and real estate. But, you know, they have delivered mass incarceration to the population. Right. So I think the party is really split on which one of these, you know, horses to try and ride. The problem being both narratives essentially redound to the Republican Party in that as much as Democrats might say that they want to be tough on crime. Uh, everybody is like, yeah, but the Republicans will be tougher. So if that's their issue that they want to ride on, they're going to vote Republican. Like huge chunks of Seattle are going to vote Republican in this coming election. Because I mean, if of you're susceptible, if you shit. believe like, yeah, if you believe yeah. the the crime wave narrative, chances are yeah. you also believe that Democrats defunded the police. Right. Like yeah, not maybe exactly. not this maybe not one for one, but like. Statistically, that's more Probably, likely because they're coming from the same place. There's definitely you know? overlap. Huge yeah, overlap. It, mean, it means it's not a lot of people to like win with that, right? And again, the problem with the abortion thing is discussed above. But they can't is, help themselves. Is that yeah? The reason why they're doing this is because it's the only two things they know how to do. It's their number it's, one fundraising they, issue where, and the only thing they've ever delivered. It's right? where they. Yeah. It's where the candidates come from. It's why they're there. It's why they're Democrats. Is this tough on crime shit? So it, like, it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense necessarily politically to do. You know, mm -hmm. they got to do it. And so, as you know, anybody with half a brain could have predicted, this is why they're going to fall on their face in the midterms, is that they really have nothing to run on. Once again, having been in charge and done nothing, they have nothing to run on. And yeah, I think that's uh, a real problem. Now, the tough on crime stuff, I, I just want to mention it real quick, and we don't got to get into the, the nitty gritty of it. But there was the tweet from uh, Vaskar from Jacobin about how, you know, uh, the problem is the left doesn't take being tough on crime seriously enough because if there's one thing the working class loves, it's police and prisons. <laughs> and, you know, so we got to jump on this tough on crime. Oh, well, you know, damn. Uh, I guess, uh, I yeah. guess we got to do it then. And he was, talking, Jesus, I didn't see that. That's, that's, that's he was, fucked up. He know? was talking, he was responding or, you know, he was quote tweeting and responding to a, a tweet from Radley Balco, who's a, a guy who writes about policing a lot. And what Rally Balco was saying in his tweet was, you know, uh, in New York, if you know, polling shows that something like 30 some odd percent of New Yorkers think that crime is the number one issue in the city, 
And, you know, in Oklahoma City, it's like 5% of residents of Oklahoma City think that crime is the number one issue. But crime in Oklahoma City is significantly higher than in New York City, which has one of the lowest crime rates in the country. And Radley Balco's comment was, this is the power of the media and propaganda, right? Yeah. In effect. And, you know, and Vasco's response was, yeah, even if it's not true, we should just believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Give it to him anyways. We've heard that narrative in in seattle going back years where it's like well even like out in the open from the city government from durkin's office was like well you know we're increasing police in these neighborhoods because it's really not about what the actual crime statistics are it's how people feel you know well well, it's like that's the democrat tough on crime like attitude and uh and it, it i don't know what i mean what what's the uh What's the plan there? Like, what yeah. is there some there's some tightrope to walk for on the left on lay left about like, you know, how to take crime seriously, crime that's not happening seriously. Yeah, you need to take <laughs> seriously the reality that the petty bourgeois shithead class in America are terrified of crime that doesn't exist. That's a political reality and a, a that has a class basis and a uh, that is also you know pushed in in the media by the ruling class that you need to understand as a political reality. I, I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what you're supposed to take from, uh, from that statement besides that, you know? Yeah. And well, I guess Greg, Brian, I think what this shows is that, uh, we need to start having more, uh, opening Christian prayers in a DSA <laughs> meetings. You know, I mean, it, it's, the left in America has always looked for a shortcut, right? This is why the left in yeah. America has always failed. This is always, there's always some sort of shortcut to winning the working class. And the problem is that that shortcut is always devised by people who have the least amount of interaction with working class people possible. And, you know, the only way you could come up with a, you know, the working class loves cops and is terrified of crime is if you've like never been around working class people in your entire fucking yeah. life. You have, you, know? you have like Jojo burgers, like in a, yeah. in like overalls as like your one image of like, yeah. what, and it reminds me very much of during 2020 when Democrats would pull up these polls and be like, Oh, a majority of black people say that they want more police in their neighborhood. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you can find polling data all over the place for that, depending on how the question is asked. One yeah. thing you'll notice, though, is that a majority of all Americans say there needs to be more police because it's the only option they're given, right? But, yeah, but actually, black right. Americans say that at a much lower level police. than everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah the, the most police group miraculously actually doesn't believe that as deeply as every other group. But and also, you know, black Americans also are willing to, you know, they want other alternatives to policing as well at higher levels anyways that's all just the bullshit of polling right you know you can get any answer you want on polling based on how you ask the question but i want to read this to you just because i saw this the other day and i thought it was just so you know emblematic of this whole whole story about should we go tough on crime and all this kind of stuff that's centered around the midterms uh so this was a pull from next door right and uh it says Please be extra careful, everyone. Things are no longer as they used to be. The other night I went out at 1030 to get food. I know, Mm -hmm. not the best idea. However, a family member was gravely ill. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I went to a drive-thru at Wendy's in Ogden. Two young men were behind me who were not from around here. Oh, did they have an out-of-state license plate? Yeah. (laughs) It was a threatening situation, and my gut told me to leave, so I did. Hurried and got out of there and quickly got something at Taco Bell and went home. So 
<laughs> this is that is okay. this is the problem of dealing oh with this God. like crime panic. Is oh this God. is what you're talking about with the crime panic? How do you? <laughs> what can you tell this person that will make them less insane? Yeah, the the answer is there's other people in the country to organize. You know, yeah, it's yes. not yes. it's yes. not this exactly. person. Okay, oh my god, like, fuck, these people are insane. Fuck these I love people. though, fuck yeah, them. There's you know, yeah, you know, we could sit here and talk about the use of the phrase "not from around here" and what that's supposed to signal. But I'm more interested in the solution to the problem is to go to the other uh, fast food <laughs> restaurant. That's like it. It reminds me of my. Uh, a uh, favorite line in Jurassic Park uh, from Wayne Knight, who, uh, as he's about to go commit uh, corporate espionage that's going to get a lot of people killed, he um, stands up and in the fattest way possible says, uh, uh, I'm going to go to the vending machines. I- I've had a lot of sweets. I, I-, I think I should have some salt. I-, I, think I-, I think I'll get some salty. You know? <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, I mean, it's incredible. Like this, this should be mm. what's engraved on the Statue of Liberty. Should be this post yeah. from next door. Uh, but yeah, it, it's incredible, and I, I think it goes to show that yes, people that are taken in by this media narrative, you know, are probably not the people first and foremost you should put on your organizing checklist. The reality is, most Americans are disengaged from everything entirely, and. You know, you could go talk to those people and there's probably more to be won from them than the person who pissed their pants at the Wendy's so had to eat at a Taco Bell. (laughs) Um, But, you know, this is part of the Democratic Party's thing, though. I mean, I had mentioned this in a previous episode of my uh, I I had a friend in Lubbock who went with the National Lawyers Guild to New Mexico for the 2004 election to like whip votes for the Democratic Party, go knock on doors for the Democratic Mm -hmm. Party. And Bill Clinton was there and Bill Clinton's advice to everybody was, well, find your Republican friends and then, you know, tell them my plan for the country or whatever, how the Democrats are going to make the country better and get them to vote Democrat. And it just never occurred to anybody that in a country where half the population doesn't vote at all, that maybe you should try and appeal to them in some way whatsoever. And the thing is, that's not the Democrat strategy. That's not what they want to do because they don't uh, well, want those people. You know, <laughs> counter, counterpoint, counterpoint, Brian, to just to, to close out the episode here, I just want to read. From you tell me, you know, tell me if you really think you can stand behind that statement after hearing okay. this from Joe Biden, who came to New York uh, to stump for the flailing uh, current uh, governor who was ascended in the wake of uh, 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 Cuomo's resignation. Somebody named Hokum or something. Yeah, um, we pulled the uh, Kathy Hokum. We polled uh, all the, the dozens of listeners at our New York Mechanical Freak yeah. meetup. They'd never heard of this woman. Uh, not a one of them, but I agree. They don't listen to women because they listen to the show. But yeah, of course, <laughs> they sent in. They're so worried about losing uh, the blue, the blue state of New York um, that they flew in. Uh, 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 not only Joe Biden, but also uh, the vice president, Kamala Harris. So, so oh, you know, heavy hitter. Right hitter yeah, you know, I mean, they they thought about calling up. They called him the big uh, Hillary. guns, baby. They thought about calling Hillary up from, <laughs> from like, the, uh, like, the benches, you know, to really shore up support. But they thought, you know what? No, we've got Kamala Harris. That's enough. We don't this need is, to use our our nuclear weapons, yeah, the ones yeah, that yeah. will guarantee us victory. Hillary you have to have a Clinton. stepping up strategy. You don't go straight to nuclear. Yeah. yeah. So they gathered a crowd of Hokum supporters 
uh, at Sarah Lawrence College. <laughs> There's literally oh, yeah, dozens yeah. of them. At Sarah Lawrence. <laughs> That's just, oh my yes. God, okay. And so, you know, uh, you know, uh, just keep thinking about how, how accurate your assessment of their strategy is there, Brian. Um, and Biden had this to say, New York, you have two days to make sure the rest of New York, the rest of New York, he's talking about the whole state here, all those, that 50% that doesn't vote, the rest of New York knows the good that they have in Kathy Ho- Hochul, whatever the president said as he addressed a crowd of supporters. Well, okay, okay, I already said this. So. And he did say, you're not just saying that, it is in the quote, he said, Kathy Hochul, whatever, and they moved on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he trailed off for a minute, and then... He trailed off camera, too. He referred to... The moment as an inflection point in the nation's history to quote two days until the most important election of our lifetime. Yes. He said the line. He said, he said the line, Joe. <laughs> Joe said the line. Um, and if that is not going to inspire like the rest of New York to get out and vote, I mean, that's this is the they've been waiting. They've been waiting for the most important election of their lifetime to vote. You know, they didn't, you know, all this time, their lifetime, they they haven't been voting, presumably because no one told them that it was the most important of <laughs> election of that their lifetime. So now that it is, you know, well, turnout numbers. Thank through God. Roof, through you the know, fucking uh, roof. Yeah. Well, most of our listeners will get to this episode after Election Day, having woken up from downing half a bottle of Benadryl, seeing God, passing out, dying temporarily, and then coming back to life uh, to listen to this episode immediately. Uh, It's going to be pretty funny hearing that quote from Joe Biden and then going to your computer, typing in election results and seeing that New York lost every seat. (laughs) It's going to rock, man. Yeah, I mean... There is some truth, like, you know, it it's it, it can be overblown if taking this year, but there is some truth to the fact that the Democratic Party really doesn't want to win. Like if, yeah. if it means yeah. mobilizing large portions of the population, they don't want that. Like they would rather yeah. lose. They want to stick to the script. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We knew that. Yeah. And I, th- All right. I think that's why they were always doomed. But yeah, why don't we close out there and we can get to Greg's story of uh excitement, adventure. I would say travel, but I see it says lifelong New Yorker. So I think Greg's living there now. He got uh, New actually. York, though, baby. Like, see the journey into Greg's pilling of New York. Yeah. the boat. Oh, yeah. Gotta the subscribe boat, to our Patreon. The boat in the marina is going to be left there. It's going to be one of those, like, aging, rotting relics of some grander civilization that used to exist. Uh, because Greg is now New York pilled. He's never leaving. He's moving into one of those 60 square foot apartments uh, that you have to sleep while standing up in. Yeah. This morning <laughs> I drafted with, like, my eight other like models, like a, th- oh, a, a, a three bedroom yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with 15 other models. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with the help of uh, the model harem, I drafted the letter to the bank that has the holds the lien on the boat and letting them know, uh, congratulations, it's yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can hear all of that on the Patreon, uh, which, of course, is just the cost of one Starbucks latte. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what Starbucks charges for anything. But, uh, you know, there's also other episodes on there, too. You would have gotten to listen to the Halloween episode before Halloween, even. 
You know, you would have you would have heard of the second part of our series on the Federal Reserve where we talk and describe Jimmy Carter's dick in extreme detail. You would have known how veiny it was months before all the suckers on the free broadcast. So uh, that's what we have to offer you on Patreon. And again, another treat. Greg's Guide to New York coming soon. Uh, come and join and then join the Discord and uh, enjoy the look. Twitter's gone, everybody. Discord is all that survives. Come to the mechanical freakers. That's, that's what, the answer. That's, yeah. that's where we're going. All right. So, so it's all good. All right, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.